Breaking Bread with Brilliant Babes. I'm your host, Tatiana Jimenez. We're recording today out of my tiny studio apartment, yet again, in foggy San Francisco. And the lovely person sitting across from me today is Kate. Hey there. <laughs> hey. Thanks so much for joining me. And actually uh, running here from work today, which is very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess... We're two episodes into this podcast, and for first-time listeners, I'll go into a little bit of what our our loose purpose is here. So basically, what happens is I bring people I admire into my apartment, make them some food in exchange for stories about their career journeys, and also just to shed a spotlight on the lives of everyday people doing brilliant things that I think other people might find interesting. So clearly one of those people happens to be Kate, who um, does growth marketing and product management at Strava. So thanks for joining me today. For I'm sure. really excited. I'm super stoked. <laughs> um, so I guess we'll jump into our first question, which is not really a question, but just can you tell us a little bit about what you do at Strava, maybe what Strava is for people who don't know, and then your career path up to this point. I know that's a lot of things. <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, totally comfortable talking for a while about myself. Um, so yeah, so I am currently at Strava, uh, which is a, a platform for athletes and people who are active, um, runners, cyclists, triathletes, people walking their dog. Um, we do everything from tracking your activity with GPS but there's also this awesome social component to it where I upload my runs. You can see what I did, see the photos of dogs that I uploaded from my run. So it's it's really this way of crawling people's whole athletic lives into one space um, and, and fostering community around that. Cool. So I've been at Strava for a little over two years. My, my role there has shifted a little bit um, during that time, but it's been a mix of, yeah, growth marketing and recently getting... Uh, trying my hand at product management a little bit more. And what I mean by growth marketing, since so it's kind of a buzzword, is basically just my focus is on the top of the funnel, getting new people onto the platform, but looking at all the ways we can do that, all the places that traffic comes in or we can get in front of people for whom Strava would be a good fit and just figure out what the biggest opportunities are to get in front of those people, help them understand why Strava has some value in their life and enable them to get on the platform. So specifically, a lot of what I've been working on lately is around search traffic. My background's in search engine optimization. Mm -hmm. Cool thing about Strava is people are uploading cool activities all the time. So we've got a lot of information to help other people figure out where to run, how to run, all that good stuff. So turning that into content that can show up in search results, get people onto our website, get them mm -hmm. on the platform when they're super stoked. And the like, playing my hand at product management side of that is there's kind of these two... There's a couple different ways to approach SEO. One is you read a bunch of articles, hope that they'll rank in search results. That's great. Um, there's also this programmatic side where you want to have um, have a product that creates content that's indexable, but like creates a bunch of content based on stuff already in your ecosystem. So that's where I have to start working with engineers mm -hmm. to make sure that like we're building pages that can show up in search results and have keyword information on them and like have actual trackable flows when people click through and want to install or register. Um, so that's been really cool. Um, it's it's a new space for me, um, but I've really been enjoying kind of like the, the thinking of yeah managing other people's time, working with engineers to understand technical things that are out of my depth. And that's a cool challenge that I'm pretty excited to have the opportunity to try. 
That's great. And then, yeah. so I guess, how did, did you always uh, work in growth marketing? I don't think you did. No. But on some level, you kind of did. That's a, so that's a great, that's a great question. And um, yeah, and for listeners at home, uh, Tatiana <laughs> has known me since my first year out of college um, when I was dead set on going into academia. I was going to get my PhD before I was 30 and be a professor um, in feminist theory, which still would have been really cool. Anyway, um, but I kind of realized that that was a bit too much of a treadmill and more focused on research than actual education. So worked at a bookstore for, for a few years, which I loved. I totally loved. Um, got into food a little bit. Worked at a, a jam company as the only person who understood the internet out of the five people that worked there. Um, so I think that's really when I started getting interested in digital marketing in general. I, I think there's a way that it's it's a really cool mix of being creative and analytical, which appeals to me a lot. Um, I think that I'm naturally analytical, but if I spent all day looking at spreadsheets, I would get, I would want to do something about it mm -hmm. or like the psych, get into the psychology side of like, well, like why are these things happening and what do people think this means and how are we missing them? So I had the opportunity to wear a lot of hats at that company, um, but knew I needed to specialize if I was going to build a career. At 27, found an internship at a digital marketing agency doing search engine optimization because they were willing to hire me and train me up, basically, and I knew that would be a skill that I could turn into a career in some fashion. So I was at the agency for a couple of years, focused mostly on SEO and analytics, but again, like the thing I love about search is people are telling you a lot about themselves by what they search, and then it's up to you to understand what they want if they're not interacting with what you're offering them, like why that is and what that disconnect is. So yeah, I knew I wanted to expand on that way of thinking without just being locked into one discipline for a long time, be able to work across different channels, do more analysis, um, and then I just happened to be on a short-term contract with Strava, um, and I can talk more about this in a little bit, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I had an opportunity to basically talk my way into a role at Strava, and I, I've loved the ways that it's been really holistic, um, and I think that's why the sort of amorphous role of growth marketing and product management has actually been great. Like there are times when I haven't totally known what my title is or the parameters of my job are, mm -hmm. but I love the really interdisciplinary thinking, the ability to pull from what I know about paid marketing um, and organic search, but also like social media stuff. And then this random thing I read about like how to, how to find leading indicators that someone's a good fit for your product before they know you're, they're a good fit for your product. So like all of those mm. things, yeah, I feel like that really interdisciplinary. Did you tweet thinking. that today? Because I feel Did like I, I saw today? that. Um, I'm sure I tweeted it sometime. There's there's an article from a few years back about Target. Okay. I won't go into it too much, but um, okay. Target basically figuring out, and, and it's like kind of messed up, but like really fascinating, figuring out the things that women buy when they're pregnant before they know or the people in their life know that they're pregnant. Yes. Target marketing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, so Target figured out basically like, mm -hmm. you know, once once you're registered for a baby registry, everyone's competing for your money, right? Mm -hmm. um, but there were these leading indicators of, of like a life change before people started putting their names on registries. So for example, right. women would shift their buying habits towards buying unscented lotion because their sense of smell was more attenuated. Mm -hmm. So Target would see that, start sending them mailings with just a couple more baby coupons. <laughs> <laughs> which like it's, it's a little bit anyway so like yeah. it's an interesting example because pregnancy is so personal and this is like a bizarre tangent but the point is <laughs> I think what's interesting in my job is thinking about like okay if people are looking for a running tracking app we want to be there right like that's yeah. a great fit for our product mm -hmm. but what are the things people are looking for when they're maybe not quite in that space yet so things like mm -hmm. how do I do how do I train for my first half marathon mm -hmm. um 
what, um, how do I even track how many miles I'm going in yeah. one run? And I think that like psychological side of things is what, mm-hmm. um, is what I'm really stoked on and being able to work across multiple disciplines. Mm-hmm. And I feel like even for beginning runners, you hear a lot about like couch to 5k and stuff. So do you guys try to capture those, I guess, quote unquote leads? Does that, does that kind of user fit within the, I guess the new users that you're looking for? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, and I'm a, I am I started running from couch to 5K, so yeah. that's near and dear to my heart. Uh-huh. But yeah, anything like that, um, and, and what I'm working on is building out a, a content strategy around that. Cool. Um, okay. But yeah, anything from couch to 5K, right? Like, if people are stoked on getting mm-hmm. active, like, we want to support that change in their lives, for mm-hmm. sure, and, and enable them to be inspired by people and share their story um, with the people yeah. in their community, figuring out where to run and ride. Uh, yeah, figuring out different workouts, um, how to think about running the London Marathon. What's that course like? What mile right. is the hardest? Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. So I guess it might not be the role that you're in now, but like, was there ever a moment during your journey that you felt like you broke into your industry that you wanted to be in or like a, a specific role that you wanted to to have? Um, yeah, I feel like I'm still figuring it out all the time. Like, I don't even know what I want to be when I grow up, right? Uh-huh. Um, but I think I've always been pursuing, like, this intersection of creativity and analysis and just, mm-hmm. like, doing cool shit. Yeah. Um, like, I just like doing interesting work. But um, I think I think the hook for me has definitely been around just, like, analysis on interesting data sets. So in mm-hmm. search, you do keyword analysis and look at, like, hundreds or thousands of terms that people are searching for. Um, and try to understand what the themes are there and how to go after them. Um, mm-hmm. Everything from the actual words that they use, but different modifiers. So people people refine their searches as they go by adding different adjectives or different mm-hmm. caveats. So what are the themes in those? And I think I think what I noticed when I started getting into SEO is like, I was just pretty good at that. Like there was a way that I could look at a list of keywords and not see them as literally, okay, we need a page for every one of these. But like, Mm -hmm. what are the themes around how people use language to search? Mm -hmm. And that was something that um, maybe because I have a background in the humanities, um, I felt like I loved doing, but I also excelled at and was able to make meaning with my clients. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, cool. This is where like this kind of bizarre way that I approach problems is actually going to pay off. Um, and make meaning yeah. for people and build around that. Because then it's not, you know, which marketing pages do we need to create? It's how do we think about our whole strategy as a business? Yeah, and it's not just like a part of a checklist. Like it needs to be more integrated than just something that you have to do to be like indexable or whatever. Because yeah, SEO on its own sounds super boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I love the way you talk about it because it like makes me excited about it. It makes me think about, you know, for the, the podcast website, like, you know, I have all of these things to think about, which, of course, I already know, kind of, on some level, but I'm not the expert. And it's just, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of fun to have someone kind of be excited about something that you're not, maybe that's not top of mind. Like, for me, that's, like, the design of everything. Uh-huh. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, and there is the technical side of SEO, sure. which is, like, yeah. you're, you know, you just, you need an XML site map, you need to yeah. work on title tags, and mm-hmm. I've definitely been, like, you know, whatever, waist or shoulder deep in that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just... I mean, that's, like, the mechanics of any role is there's, like, the really fun and dynamic stuff, and then there's the stuff mm-hmm. that needs to get done to support that. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think what I got from that is that you feel possibly your um, your when you broke into the industry was with your SEO role. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
from there. You just kind of blossomed. Yeah. 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 And I think realizing that like, oh, I totally can build a career around these like things that I perceive as soft skills. Yeah. Right. So like I might need to work on my SQL skills. I might not know how to code or use like different software programs, but I have this love of language um, Mm -hmm. and an affinity for language and also just like an innate empathy and desire to understand people. So seeing yeah. how those soft skills can actually put me in a, in a good spot to make meaning out of things, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I double majored in philosophy and feminist theory. People ask like, what the hell do you do with that? Mm-hmm. But like you make meaning out of those things. So I think that yep. moment of like, oh, I can build a career around these amorphous soft skills that I have. Yep. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And I don't know if I've really thought about that until now. So like, yeah. I appreciate that that's, question. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I guess the next um, the next question I have for you is, you know, during your maybe it was your internship or um, at the jam company or maybe maybe even before that, did did you have a mentor at some point in your career that, you know, it, it could be like someone who helped guide you in this direction or maybe just someone who was like just a supportive person and not career related at all? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, that's a great question. I think I've been, I think I've been really fortunate. I have a lot of people who, um, have just really been in my corner, um, throughout my career, you know, from supportive managers at the bookstore to different Mm -hmm. bosses at the agency. Um, I definitely think still a lot about this guy I reported to at the agency named Trevor, who was just a really interesting thinker, kind of all over the map, a little intense to be around, um, Mm -hmm. but like so smart, right? And he always had this approach to work that just taught me how to think better. It, w- it wasn't about learning Excel better. It wasn't about mm-hmm. running software better. It was, it was about like really thinking through how to communicate and how to, how to make problems interesting to people who didn't understand the problems. And I like, I still like, oh, I still wish I worked with Trevor, you know, uh-huh. cause he just had this way of thinking of, we called him T, um, but this way of thinking about thinking through problems and communication that taught me a lot and also taught me a lot about management like I really admired if I screwed something up it was never represented that way to a client like he would he would never throw anyone on his team under the bus he would always take responsibility I could screw something up he'd say oh you know I should have explained that task better you know I screw this up whatever and I think and that taught me a lot about how Mm -hmm. about how you work on a team and how you work with people so yeah he's been a big person in my life but yeah I think I've I haven't had like a formal mentor it's something I've been interested in yeah and I would like especially because but I feel like I'm interested in more of an individual contributor career track. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there aren't a lot of women in tech, but not in tech, mm-hmm. who are individual contributors. So I'm still looking for that person. <laughs> <laughs> you can mentor me. I mean, I also have a really great boss who I have a great relationship yeah. with right now. Awesome. Um, so, yeah. yeah, if you're listening, hi. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think I've been fortunate to have to just, like, uh-huh. feel very very comfortable asking for help and support and yeah. asking people to push me on my thinking mm-hmm. and have people really show up for that. So along your, you know, your different roles, what has been your biggest obstacle slash shittiest moment? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I'm lucky that I haven't had a super shitty moment. Okay. Or, I've, or I've blocked it out. Yeah, um, we don't remember anymore. Yeah, which would be great. Um, I think my biggest obstacle has definitely been some combination of social anxiety and imposter mm-hmm. syndrome, and they probably overlap a lot. I hate that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it happens to all of us. And it's the kind of thing where if I saw any of my coworkers talking to themselves the way that my brain talks to me, I would just yeah. be like, no, like, shut up. You're awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but that showed up in everything from working at the bookstore and having to call customers, like being terrified of 
talking on the phone to a stranger, yeah. to at the agency, like breaking out in cold sweats whenever I had to run client calls, um, and even mm-hmm. still getting comfortable just taking myself seriously, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, like I know that my work is good, but then getting up in front of a bunch of people who are senior to me and wanting to be collaborative, but also wanting to inspire confidence, I think is mm-hmm. something that I'm thinking about a lot. And who knows how much of that is imposter syndrome versus being in this adolescent phase of my career versus social anxiety. But like I have legitimately struggled for most of my life with anxiety related issues. And I think the only way through that is just through it. Like with the phone thing at the bookstore, like I just had to call people and then a couple months in, like it was no big. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's been a pretty, that was a big learning experience for me. So um, on the flip side, can you talk about maybe what your biggest opportunity has been slash best moment so far? Totally. (laughs) Yeah, my the way that I was able to end up Strava at Strava, I think is a pretty cool story that's interesting and also something that I'm fairly proud of. So when I was at the agency, we'd started as a very, very small agency where it felt like family. We got acquired once. Um, the size of that was a little bit of a challenge, but my team was still great. But there were just some things about it that shaped at me. And I think I always knew that agency life wasn't quite right for me, but I didn't know where I wanted to go next. Had a great relationship with my boss at the time and we were talking through all these issues so he was aware and working with me on them as well mm-hmm. so fortunate that I had that kind of honest open communication with someone I reported to yeah. um and then we picked up Strava as a short-term contract um and I was put on the account and it was a company I'd always wanted to work for I oh, figured cool. I could yeah I figured <laughs> I could never get a job there uh-huh. but I was like wow okay like now I have an opportunity to see what they're like see what their needs mm-hmm. are see if what I do is a fit there and see if that's something that I would want to pursue so you know, so worked with them for a couple months. It was really clear that they needed someone full time doing this. That I would get that I got along really well with the team I would eventually be potentially be working with. And at that time, there was another acquisition of the agency that I was at, and I just knew that wasn't going to be a good culture fit for me. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, what do I do about this? I want to talk to them. The contract's ending. Da da da. But like, is that you know, is that kosher? Am I going to get yeah. fired? Basically, right. yeah. Um, but I knew. That regardless, I wanted, because I had so much respect for my boss, I, I wanted to communicate that with him. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, grabbed some of his time and said, like, I think we both know the ways that the company's not going to continue to be a fit. I'm interested in talking to Strava. I would love your professional advice on that. I want to talk to you about that first. And, and just like, yeah, just kind of suss that out. And to his credit, he was incredibly supportive. That's great. Because yeah. that's a, a nerve-wracking situation because it could go like, one of two ways yeah yeah and I was you know I was like I could get fired for this right yeah. like no question mm-hmm. um and this again is one of those moments that taught me a lot um he's just like you know if you're coming to me with these kinds of questions if you're coming to me saying I might want to leave a couple months from now or whatever like I'm doing my job right because I'm fostering relationships with my team where like mm-hmm. we have these conversations yeah and and so he he's like yeah like it's a great opportunity. Here's how I would approach it. Mm-hmm. I'll talk to them and let them know, like, we're not going to sue them or anything like that. So he not only was, so not only didn't fire me, he was supportive and, like, almost, like, gave me professional advice in that conversation. He's like, keep me posted. I hope it goes well, da, 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 da. So anyway, I was, I was able to approach the person I've been working with and, mm-hmm. and have a pretty frank conversation about the needs I saw that the company had. Mm-hmm. And we built a position around what I was able to do, which is kind of the dream. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, but I think it felt really good to know the level of integrity I wanted to have in conversations mm-hmm. with people I worked with and respected. And that even if that was a liability, it was important to me that I was honest with him and open with him 
and give, give us a chance to have that moment. Yeah, and that's just, I'm grateful that that panned out, um, mm-hmm. and that it just has been such an awesome career move for yeah. me, too. And I mean, even if it didn't work out the way it did, I think that would have been a great learning opportunity, too, and just, because, you know, sometime in my experience, like, for example, I don't know, asking for a raise or something, mm-hmm. sometimes it happens, and sometimes it doesn't, From like, but from every, every um, instance of that, you kind of gain something (laughs) like something about like the path that you're on or you know your relationships with whatever company you're working for or like you know you think about just your maybe like what your next steps are there's lots of lessons to be yeah totally yeah basically yeah and I think to be able to just carry some level of like honesty and integrity and high level of communication through that Mm -hmm. um always served you well even if you don't get the results you want yeah that's, but that's, yeah, that's, yes. that is a great moment. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, sure. I know, I was like, wow, like, that, that worked out, like, yeah. cool, you know, but I'm like, I worked for that too, right? Like, yeah. I, you know, I, yeah. you I, didn't I, just show up out of nowhere right. and say, hey, let's, <laughs> right. let's build a position for you. Right, <laughs> right. So that, that was kind of a cool moment in my career, yeah. like, oh, okay, like, I can do this. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess, so we've been talking a lot about Strava and, um, so Strava is, they kind of promote an active lifestyle and stuff. So um, there's like a segment of this show where I like to talk about what I call hidden talents, quote unquote. Hidden talents to me are things that are significant to our lives that we might not add to our resumes and, you know, might not be work related. In your case, which I don't think it's really a hidden talent but (laughs) it's my whole Instagram feed at this point I've given up on anything else (laughs) so Kate for those of you who don't follow her on Instagram is an ultra marathon runner and you just told me that you also rock climb like indoors Mm -hmm. okay so can you tell us a little bit about like when you started running why you started running and like I don't know the cool things you've been doing yeah totally (laughs) um yeah it's um it's it's cool and funny to hear myself describe <laughs> that way. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I got into running about four years ago. I was not physically really that active before that. Um, you know, like walked around the city, but like I, I wasn't, um, athletic before that time. So you started running before you were working at Strava. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I started, wor- yeah, I started running. Um, yeah. So almost exactly four years ago, coworkers wanted to do, um, a 5k race together. It actually just happened the JP Morgan corporate chase, corporate challenge, whatever. <laughs> um, it's like a bunch of, of, it's in a bunch of cities all over the country. And, and, um, you like do this 5k race with your coworkers. So they wanted to do that. I was like, okay, you know, like I knew that like for my mental and physical health, I needed to start an exercise routine mm-hmm. of some form. So my coworkers, like I'll do couch to 5k with you. We'll do it. And for those who don't know, couch to 5k is, usually a 12-week program where you commit to run-walk intervals three times a week. So you're active for 30 minutes at a time, and that's a mix of running and walking in different ratios. So, for example, the first day that we did was 90 seconds of walking, 60 seconds of running, and you do that for 20 minutes with like a five-minute walk warm-up on either side. I did not own running shoes, so I did it in Tom's, which I do not recommend. (laughs) I was so sore the next day. Um, And those 60-second run intervals felt like they were going to go on forever and I wasn't going to make it. It was so hard. I was so proud of myself for getting through that first day. And I knew I wanted to stick with the program. I didn't tell a lot of people about it because there's this, like, weird psychological thing where the more you talk about something, the less likely you are to do it because you get the same brain hit from talking about it as doing it. Oh, interesting. So if you want to do something, don't talk about it too much. 
Um, <laughs> it, the opposite works for me, but I think it's a pride thing. Uh, yeah. So, well, yeah, there's a level of accountability. Yeah. So like, I'm doing this, and I swear, like all the all the crazy stuff I've done between then and now, like I'm one of my proudest running achievements is still getting through that first week. Wow. Because, um, like, going from doing nothing to doing something three days a week that hurts and is really hard and, like, sticking with it and the inconvenience of carving that time out of your schedule is such a huge win. So, like, I just feel so much pride when people tell me that they're doing that because it, it's hard, right? Like, mm-hmm. going from zero to anything is harder than going from anything to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, dreading the first time on the program that we had to run 20 minutes in a row. I was like, oh, my God, I'm never going to be able to do that. It's going to be terrible. But then we just kind of did. And I did the race. And was, like, intrigued by it, was running a lot with a friend, and trained for a faster 5K, and then we were, like, just just stoked on it and running, mm-hmm. like, three or four days a week out in Golden Gate Park. And then we were, like, let's let's do something crazy and do a half marathon, right? So we signed up for the SF mar- half marathon, the first half, and I think that was just being intrigued by what would happen. I was, like, if I hate it, I, I won't do it. Right. But I want to see what happens when I give my body a chance to show up, um, mm-hmm. and, like, how far I can take this, you know? So... Did that, loved it. Yeah. And then it just kind of grew over time, mm-hmm. as it tends to do. Yeah. So I know, I think it was last year you did a full marathon in Iceland. Yeah. So last year I did. Super cool. <laughs> yeah. So there's, so there's this way that like every year I'm like, oh, this is the most I'm going to do. But like anything above this is crazy. Right. Yeah. And then as you do more, you're like, oh, I can see how that would be doable. Right. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I can see how I could do a marathon. So I wanted to do, to do a marathon again. Like if I hate it, I'll stop. But wanting to see what would happen. And also, like, starting to get into trail running at the time. I wanted to have trained enough that if people wanted to go on, like, a 10-mile trail run, I would be physically mm-hmm. capable of doing that without it totally yeah. crushing me. So, like, mm-hmm. there's some level that I train just to be able to do fun things with people and go beautiful places. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that marathon training would require that level of running from me. Yeah, so I did my first and only marathon last year in Reykjavik. Oh, that was the only one you've done? Oh, yeah. You have, so, I mean, yeah. you'll, you'll talk well, about it, but. <laughs> well, yeah, and, 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 yeah and, that's, and that is a funny distinction because I've run more than that distance. Yeah. But, but yeah, so, well, and, so and, I, and I've been injured for six weeks of the training cycle, so I cross-trained oh. aggressively the whole time, worked wow. with my coach. But it was, I mean, the course is beautiful, Iceland's amazing, mm-hmm. um, it just was this crazy thing that I never thought I would do. But also started to, like, fall in love with trail running at the time, and there's this way that road running for that kind of distance it's very methodical it's very results oriented Mm -hmm. whereas trail running super experiential so like I'm at the point now where I think I will probably end up doing like a trail 50 miler before I do another road marathon wow which is just an indicator of like trail running you just kind of go and you eat snacks and you hike up all the uphills and it's beautiful and you take pictures Mm -hmm. and like that to me feels so much more doable to do for a full day than like I see a road marathon or something Mm -hmm. like that so yeah so now I run a lot it's uh-huh. a lot of my life. Yeah. Um, yeah um, That's terrific. I wrote a lot. It's very inspiring. Thanks. I have to say. Thanks. And, and, and I think it's important to me that, like, you know, any distance you run, any pace you run, like, you're putting yourself out there. Mm-hmm. There's a vulnerability to that and a bravery yeah. to that. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I just get so inspired watching other people do that. Because you're putting yourself out there no matter what, mm-hmm. right? And, like, I love I love it when people tell me they've just started running. Because, yeah. like, there's just so many experiences that open up when you do that. And I like speaking of like the imposter syndrome mm-hmm. stuff earlier. So uh, when my sister and I did the San Francisco rock and roll half marathon in March, which was my, I think my fourth half marathon. Mm-hmm. And I just remember like signing the waiver and at the bottom it said athlete's signature. And I was like, I'm an athlete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> and like, usually when I, I think I've been running now for a little over two years, like two and a yeah. half years. 
Um, and so when I tell people I'm a runner, like that still feels weird. Cause like, I'm not, I don't think I'm very fast and like, I haven't done a full marathon, but like to people who don't run at all, they're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like all in your head kind of, but at the same time, like I do, I just get so excited when I find out someone else also runs. Cause then you can just like talk, what kind of gels do you uh-huh. want? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you start talking about your toenails. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, half marathons are hard, right? Yeah. Like, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's a formidable distance. Yeah. And the athlete thing is interesting too, because there's a way at Strava that that's something, that's something that we own, right? Like if you, if you're, if you're, if, if you're putting yourself out there, like you're an athlete, like no one gets mm-hmm. to decide who is or isn't an athlete. And yeah. And you guys have had so many, um, I think there was like a Facebook video that you did or like a commercial mm-hmm. that like totally made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> it was the one where like, you know, people were running with their friends and they're like, I'm tired. Like I can't do it. And it was just like, so triumphant. <laughs> I was just like sobbing. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. I think yeah. there's this like, just like Sisyphean dumbness to running. Like sometimes I'm running, this is so yeah. dumb. Do I like this? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think the flip side of that is like, yeah, just the, um, yeah, just like the bravery and vulnerability mm-hmm. of it is, is super powerful. Um, definitely. So we have some listener questions. All right, I'm ready. To ask. So I'm going to start with two, well, most of them, let's be honest, are running related. Okay. So the first one is, uh, because you work at Strava, is there an expectation that you are going to exercise during the day? Or is it, is everyone like okay with you exercising during work and like, I don't know. Do a lot of people do that during mm-hmm. the day? Okay. That's a, yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. And it's it's become normal to me that I'm sure if you walked into the Strava office, especially on Wednesdays when we do like a group run workout, it would look a little odd. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so one of the one of the like core tenets of the company from the co-founders is there's always time for a run or ride. Mm. And they've gone on the record and said like, if we get to a point as a company where that is not true, like we've failed. Mm. Um, and like within reason, obviously, but this core idea that like, work isn't just a place where you sit at your desk and do busy work, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're producing work. You can best do that when you're a whole person who's balanced. Yeah. And if that means taking off on your lunch to run, coming in late because your bike ride is super awesome and you don't have any meetings until 10, Mm -hmm. taking off early to take care of your kids um, Mm because they've got to play at school or, you know, making sure you have enough time, enough paid time off to go on a super cool adventure, like hiking in the Grand Canyon or whatever. Like I think that even though because we're an athletic platform, we attract people who like running and cycling, it's more that the core value is like is truly is around work life balance and like whatever it is that sustains you and gives you energy, like your coworkers genuinely support. Mm-hmm. And that great. you'll be a better contributor as a result of that, which I love. Mm-hmm. And then also like being in a space where people that vulnerability thing again, where people put out the things that they're excited about mm-hmm. in like a really genuine way. Yeah. Um, I think really connects the company and levels mm-hmm. levels things out a lot. So yes, I run Often at work on lunch breaks, we do this group workout that's that's geared. We do intervals so that people of different paces all kind of run together because okay. um, we regroup between intervals of a couple minutes in length. So mm-hmm. like regardless of your pace or ability, you, you get to run with everyone else, which is really Smart. fun. Yeah. So we did that today. Yeah, it's super fun. <laughs> you know, I have coworkers who will go on trail runs with me before work, something like that. Like I can and have hung out in sweaty running clothes all day, mm-hmm. um, which would be unusual elsewhere. Yeah. And I think what I feel grateful for is like, I don't, I don't have to draw a line between work and life. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm sitting at my desk and I'm really antsy and it's three o'clock, 
I can go take off on a run, come back focused, and then still have a few hours left in the day to get work done instead of sitting there Mm -hmm. hating everything and getting burnt out. Yeah, very cool. So I guess this is kind of related. How has your passion for running changed since working for a company that promotes an active lifestyle? Like, do you think, do you feel like you, I mean, it sounds like you just keep running more. (laughs) I do keep running more. Um, It helps to have a lot of people to run with. Mm -hmm. Um, Running's really social for me. It's like, oh, cool, I get to hang out with, you know, my girlfriends for a long time and we just happen to be running or hiking most of it. Because here's the secret about trail running, you hike all the uphills, which is great. (laughs) So, yeah, I think there's also, like, there's, again, there's a whole range of people at Strava and there are a few people who, like, have been running longer than I have doing longer distances. Mm -hmm. So there's almost this way that that normalizes slightly less normal behavior mm-hmm. so for example training for my first 50k my coworker was training for his first 100 miler which wow. like blows my mind right like yeah. I don't know but then it's like you watch someone do that and you're like oh I see how over time with goal setting and putting in the work you get there mm-hmm. so if someone else like I don't want to run 100 miles but if someone else can do that I can run 50k I can run a half marathon I can you know do a couple miles when I haven't been running a lot um mm-hmm. so I think there's this way that seeing what other people can do teaches you that you're capable of a lot more than you think you can, but you just kind of have to show up and, and give yourself a chance to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You like, you just, you don't, you don't know what you're capable of until, until you try and like you almost always surprise yourself. So I think yeah. that's been the biggest takeaway for me. Awesome. Here's, I guess like a, like a shorter question. And I don't know if this would be more opinion or if this would be like research based your answer, but what's better running a specific distance or running for a set amount of time? That's an interesting question. And I think it, I think it depends on your goal. I, yeah, I would agree with that in a big way. Um, Mm -hmm. but, and you know, like typically if you're doing training for like a road race, Mm-hmm. Mileage is really satisfying because you need to hit a certain number of miles. Mm-hmm. Something like trail, it's just more about being on your feet for a long time. Okay. But what I, what I find, and when I started running, I just did time-based stuff. Mm-hmm. And I really like that because, like, different days, you're going to have different paces. That's a good point. So it's like, you know, you're doing the same amount of work when you're on your feet for 45 minutes, regardless of the pace you're going. Yeah. And, like, you don't need to let the perfect be the enemy of the good there, right? Like, mm-hmm. running for 40 minutes versus 45 minutes is still great. Running for yeah. three miles versus three and a half miles also still great. Like, mm-hmm. you're still going out on a run. You're still doing it. Yeah. So some people really like the, the uh, like, you know, I'm a little focused on numbers, so I like the specificity of a particular number. But mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who like the spaciousness of time as well. Yeah. I know me personally, like, I tend to run for distance. Mm-hmm. But I will run for time only if I'm trying to do, like, speed training, mm-hmm. just to see how much I can run yeah. in, like, a short period of time. Yeah. Okay, so we'll do one more listener question. Okay. So, oh, this is a good one. I don't think we went over this one earlier. <laughs> but where do you see the fitness slash wearable industry going in the future? Oh. You don't have to share any trade secrets. (laughs) No. I mean, the interesting thing about Strava is we don't do any equipment manufacturing. Oh, that's right. So we're all dependent on third-party technology, which is cool because you kind of get to see where things are moving in the space. I mean, I think we're moving towards more holistic, just kind of like lifestyle and activity tracking. So devices Mm. that not only understand how far you've run and what your heart rate was during that. I mean, like, I've literally got a heart rate monitor built into my watch, which is nuts. Like, it just sees through my skin and knows how fast my heart's beating. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. But so it's like you know, looking at fitness and how long you've slept. I'm really interested, I'm really interested in heart rate variability, which is not what your heart rate necessarily is, but like how consistent your heartbeats are. And when you're more stressed, your heart rate rate has a wider variance. 
so this so there's actually like anti-anxiety treatments that focus on like realigning your heart rate with your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems i've just started to see activity trackers come out that look at this wow so like it's a way that your body knows it's stressed before you know you're stressed and you can dial that down so so i think like getting to that kind of stuff is really interesting yeah because at, at that point like that has so many more uses than just uh, fitness activity. Like, mm-hmm. you could use it to monitor your mental health and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Or help you. Thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, and maybe you could, like, I don't know. It's time to meditate. It's time to meditate. Right, right. Or, like, <laughs> but I think I think they have ones that will, like, buzz. Mm-hmm. And it's just a reminder to, like, take a deep breath or something mm-hmm. like that. So that's where I think, like, yeah, you can track certain things. But um, getting to those, like, secondary combinations of, of metrics is cool. Yeah, and just all the data that can come in, right? The fact that you can be wearing an Apple Watch and that's got an accelerometer in it, so it knows how many it can tell how many push-ups you've done, right? Yeah. Like stuff like that is uh-huh. is super cool, or it can tell how stable you are in a plank position or something like that. Yeah, like, I do love data and quantifying fitness kind of stuff. So I think mm-hmm. I think on the like athlete side of things, there's yeah. going to be more refined tracking. Mm-hmm. But then I think there's also this just this like, okay, how do you get a sense of like what healthy looks like and how to get closer to that and like. Tune, getting better in tune with your body through technology. I feel like I need to go on a run right now. Yeah. <laughs> go, let's go. I know. Oh my gosh. What people can't tell is I'm in my running clothes right now. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm in running pants, but I didn't run today. Yeah. So. It's all part of it. <laughs> I just, uh, I'm dressed for the theme of today. <laughs> so I guess um, my last question is, and this doesn't have to be work related. Um, what are you looking forward to this week? I mean, I've been looking forward to this a lot. Oh, um, good. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I've been super excited. Yeah. This is just like a fun conversation and to, and to see the hobbies that uh, you're picking up is really cool yeah, for me thanks. too. And reconnect. Yeah. Um, what am I excited about for this week? I'm running on Saturday. Um, my my mm-hmm. buddy Sophia and I run together literally every Saturday, go on an adventure. So we're doing a long run. Mm-hmm. We always plan around where we're going to eat afterwards. That's the, yeah, that's the way to do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I bought a couple books lately I'm excited about. Oh, so I'll cool. read those. Are you still reading about the ocean? I know you were like obsessed I, with the ocean for a long time. I, yes. I did just buy another book about the ocean. I, uh-huh. For I, I for listeners, I went through a three-month period where I only read books about the ocean or marine life. And that's kind of <laughs> continued. So, yeah, no, I think I bought one about squid or something like that. that makes but I'm rereading the empathy exams, which um, I'd like to finish this weekend, too. But yeah, um, I think I always just look forward to getting out on the trails and then eating really good food afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So is there anything, before we close out, is there anything you'd like to plug? I think I've plugged Strava. Yeah, I think. <laughs> which is cool. <laughs> Support your local independent bookstore. Yeah. Yeah. Do that. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, um, it was great having you over. Tonight, for listeners, we had mushroom and zucchini tacos. Which were delicious. <laughs> Thank you. The recipe will be on the, on the <laughs> website. But thanks for so much for joining me. It was super great to have you. This is great. Thanks, Tatiana. <laughs> to learn more about Kate, Strava, and other topics covered on today's episode, head over to our website, brilliantbabespodcast.com, where you can also listen to previous episodes, check out our event calendar, and get the recipes for the dishes we make for each episode. Tonight's recipe was zucchini and mushroom tacos. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Take care, everyone.